Energy security is a real problem around the world. Countries go to war over energy security. But when does a state become a security risk? I'm about to talk to Ronald Stein. He is the author of Clean Energy Exploitations, helping citizens understand the environmental and humanitarian abuses that support clean energy. My name's Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group, and I'm so thrilled to have Ronald stop by the podcast. Thank you, Ronald. Stu, glad to be aboard. I'll tell you what, this is our uh, second podcast, and I've also uh, interviewed uh, Todd, who is a a co-author of that book, and I'm going to have him back on. That podcast has gone nuts, too. So you're out there, Ronald. (laughs) Your stories are getting out there. Energy literacy is my passion to uh, get people to be able to talk about it at the dinner table. Well, let's just jump right on into this. Uh, why is why were you making those comments about a state being a security risk? Well, when you take a look at California, we have 140 airports. We're a big state. Now, of those 140 airports, they're they're consuming about 13 billion gallons of aviation fuel a year. And of those airports, we have nine international airports up and down the state. We have 41 military airports up and down the state. And three of the largest ports, busiest ports in the country, are on the West Coast. Wow. And we have, in 95, we were pretty much independent. We had enough oil production in California and oil production out of Alaska we provided like 95% of our needs to meet that materialistic and fuel requirements. Well, wow. all the governors since 95 had been on a campaign to reduce in-state oil production. So that in-state oil production was once dependent on foreign countries for 5% of our oil. Today, it's more than 75%. Mm-hmm. We're dependent on foreign countries for 75% of our fuel needs to operate the international airports, the military airports, and three of the largest shipping ports in the country. And, you know, it's a no-brainer. Even the educated can see, you know, you you basically attack those ports and a lot of products come through here for the rest of the country. And the rest of the country is vulnerable to California's dependency. Well, uh, Ronald, this is energy hypocrisy at its finest. And when we sit back <laughs> and think, at its finest, I mean, this is, we're going to have to give it a, an award over here for, you know, oh, by the way, you, the, and the Oscar goes to, you know, California. And this is horrific, especially if you think about our military. Those bases, that number of bases just made me airsick thinking about this, Ronald. Well, you know, it, in a way, it's not surprising because go to the national level. Biden has a lot of generals report to him. Mm-hmm. Army, Navy, military, Marines, the space program. Not one general because Biden's on the same campaign. He wants to eliminate oil and use wind and solar to run the country. And not one general has asked Biden the question, how are we going to run our military without fuel, without products to support the troops? Yeah. And it, like I say, it's at the national level, and there's, there's no conversations. And it's, like I say, it's horrific. And, you know, it's obvious. Maybe they just don't want to mess up their retirement plans. I'm not sure. 
Um, it, it seems a little bit odd uh, that we're you and I can sit here and talk about this obvious, but is it a culture or religion, Ronald, that your your passion is energy literacy and going out and trying to do that? How do you try to uh, go against a religion? You can't, can you? It's it's tough. Like I say, when I when I give a presentation, I do not like to give a presentation as much as have a fireside chat. Okay. And most people are embarrassed to ask an intelligent question about energy. It's because energy can get pretty complicated pretty quick. And right. all the books I've written with Todd Royal uh, is in layman's terms because no complicated formulas or graphs for people to comprehend because not everybody's an engineer. In fact, some engineers can't even understand the graphs and formulas. And so we try to keep it in layman's terms and, you know, right. simplicity. And the, the people that have the microphone, all they do is speak in the microphone and the press only transcribes what they say. If they right. say we're jumping out of the airplane without a parachute, that's what you read in the paper. Right. But, you know, let's have a discussion. <laughs> is there a backup plan? I'm 100% in favor, 100% in favor of getting rid of crude oil. If there's a backup plan. Right. You know, right now we get electricity from numerous sources, you know, from natural gas, coal, nuclear, hydroelectric, wind, solar. But all they do is generate electricity. They manufacture nothing for society because you take crude oil, for example. Crude oil is totally useless. Oh, it is black tar, unless you can refine it into something usable. Right. And we've developed technology you know, through the refineries. We get a lot of different fuels for cars and trucks and ships and airplanes and the space program and a lot of petrochemicals that makes thousands of products in our materialistic society. This conversation would end if we didn't have, you know, iPads and iPhones and that type of thing. And everything in our society is, is made from those petrochemicals. In fact, if you take a look at all the systems that can generate electricity, wind, solar, nuclear, hydro, you know, natural gas, all the components to generate electricity are made with the petrochemicals manufactured from crude oil. So you get rid of crude oil and there's no electricity. No. Nope. And there's, there's no electric vehicles. I mean, everything goes away. Right. And so we have, uh, like say, we're a very materialistic society. We've just taken this stuff for granted. And, you know, of the 8 billion people on the planet, the wealthy countries are, are driving the green movement, not recognizing the fact that of those 8 billion people, more than 80%, which is more than 6 billion people, they're living on less than $10 a day. And that you know, breaks my heart, Ronald. I mean, the, and you're right. They haven't joined the, the industrial revolution yet. And we're making things harder and harder for them to afford. And right, right now they got nothing to lose because they got nothing to lose. You know? Right. But uh, will they ever come out of their poverty of, you know, burning cow dunk for heat and that type of thing? I don't yeah. know. It'd be nice to have them live the same kind of lifestyle, you know, we're living because we just take it for granted. And but the wealthy countries, you know, have this passion that we're going to go green, but wind and solar can only generate electricity and manufacture nothing for society. I think the biggest problem in, in politics is they talk about the word energy. Right. And they really should not talk about the word energy. You're either talking electricity or products. What do you want? Oh, right. Because, you know, wind and solar can only produce electricity. Oil, on the other hand, is never used to generate electricity. Natural gas is, 
coal well, is. But uh, oil, there, there are some oil burning, and they are not very uh, good at it, but they do burn oil. That, that's uh, why they're not. Yeah. They, when you take a look at the pie chart, oil is, is almost non-existent. In fact, oil is right. generating less electricity than wind and solar. And wind and solar don't right. generate much to begin with, you know. So, <laughs> But yeah, oil is primarily used for our materialistic petrochemicals and the fuels for the various transportation systems we have. You bet. You know, when you take a look, you know, when I fly, you know, before I get on the airplane, I take a step back and I look at that sucker and say, holy crap, you're going to get this off the ground? (laughs) Or if you you take a cruise, if you take a cruise, take a look at that ship, you're going to a hotel. Right. You want this thing to move? (laughs) And so, right, it's it's amazing that uh, they basically say that we're going to, change our energy requirements from fossil fuels to wind and solar. Right. But Stu, they do different things. Wind and solar can only generate electricity. They can manufacture nothing for society. You know, electricity can charge your iPhone. Right. But it can't make the iPhone. It, it, it really can't. I mean. It can it, make the defibrillator in the hospital work, but it can't make the defibrillator. Wow. And yeah. all, the, all the infrastructures we have today didn't exist 200 years ago. There was no medical industry 200 years ago. There was no transportation industry 200 years ago. There was no electronics. I mean, everything is has changed in the last 200 years since we discovered oil. And since we discovered oil, you know, the light bulb came into reality. Right. By the way, the light bulb is made from fossil fuel products. <laughs> so, and now we have all these electrical generating system options, but all the components are coming from manufactured crude oil. Right. So what do you see as the biggest hurdle to get people's attention? Because right now we have the societally thing going on out there where people are taking glue, which is made from oil, right. sticking it to the pavement and then waiting to get run over or, you know, their hand cut off because they've glued. That was really sad. Those <laughs> folks that got their hand cut off because they couldn't get the glue off. But how do we get to that generation or how do we combat, if you would, because we're in a war now. We are yes. in a war. What? Where do we go from here? There's got to be conversations. That's the one thing we're not having because right. all the policies are being dictated by politicians, uh, the ESG movement, the bank, bank boardrooms are setting policies. Right. Um, but there's got to be discussions. Like you say, I'm... I'm all in favor of getting rid of crude oil, but, you know, what's your backup plan? You know, how, how are you going to build your iPhones and, you know, keep the electronics going? And it's it's amazing how many pieces that just become commonplace and accepted well, as you've lived in You lived in California a long time and you've seen a lot of changes. Yes. And is California changing is something you wouldn't even recognize? Well, it's changing, but I'm not sure it's changing for the better. Um, like you say, inflation, you know, you're raising the cost of, of electricity and cost of fuel and the cost of products. And right. you, you see everybody going on strike. The, you know, the movie industry has been on strike. The UAW has been on strike because, you know, they, they can't afford the cost of right. living. When cost of electricity and cost of fuel goes up, it tries out the cost of bananas and the cost of, you know, fruit and I mean, right. it's, it's just amazing. And everybody wants a bigger wage rate. And so inflation is is just going nuts. The homeless, the homeless population in California is exploding. 
Right. Um, because, you know, most people you know, tend to live paycheck to paycheck. And if you lose yeah. your job and you're out of a job, you're probably one paycheck away from being homeless. Well, you if you're homeless, that, that yeah. train's going at warp speed. You'll never get back on the train. I never even noticed that there, there was a writer strike. I didn't. I could care less, to be honest, because I don't watch them. <laughs> so it sounds awful, but I'm like. Yeah, they've know, been that, on strike for almost three months. And you just settled uh, the other day. I, I I didn't even know. I heard that and that there it's over. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know. But, they were but hospitals on. are going on strike. I mean, everybody wants to <laughs> raise. But, you know, and it just snowballs because, you know, if you give a person a raise to, you know, 25 bucks an hour as a minimum right. wage. Well, the price of the hamburger went up and, you know, it, did, it I see goes, that, did I see that that somebody was paying an $18 ham, uh, Big Mac the other day in California that I did see. Okay. Somebody, I'm not sure about the, the Big Mac. I'm not sure the Big Mac went that high, but uh, that's crazy in California. How much are you paying for gas right now, Ronald? I paid uh six fifty the other day. Six fifty. Yeah. Wow. And that, you know, the interesting thing for the people that are, I want to say, you know, uh, well off, they don't see any problems because, you know, I paid six fifty. For right. people that are, you know, marginally surviving, right? You know, that, that'll kill them. If you're and, out working for a living, Ronald, that'll kill you. Yeah. And, you know, you take uh, EVs in California. The elites have bought them. The elites will continue to buy them. But, Stu, we're running out of elites. Now we're getting down to the common folk <laughs> and the common folk aren't going to buy into this. And, you know, they need a workhorse vehicle. You know, I looked at the 25 most popular vehicles uh, in the country right. and the Ford 150s at the top. Um, and there's a couple of trucks, you know, on top. And then you get down to SUVs. But very few people want a small sedan. Right. Tes Tesla is a small sedan. Right. Because you need space for your strollers and your skateboards and your bikes. And, and so yeah. they need uh, a lot of, and like I say, the bigger the vehicle, the bigger the battery, the bigger the price. And and, and it, the more, it's great. and the more slaves that the kids have to be in, in the Congo. Um, did you hear about the new uh, truck that was just announced by Ram uh, that has got the V6 in it to charge the batteries? Did you hear that one? I, I haven't, not yet. Uh, it just came out and Ronald, this is a, so you've got a truck and it's coming out in 2025, I think is when they announced that it'll be ready. The old World War II submarines were diesel powered, but they, the diesel charged the batteries and then the electric batteries drove the propeller. This is the same setup. You got a V6 sitting in an EV truck, and that V6 is only there to charge those batteries. I kid you not. Well, that may change. Let me let me explain because you know, as an engineer, I thought the hybrid was phenomenal. You, know, I you love double it. you double your gas mileage and you buy hundreds of years to develop battery technology. But the auto industry has been mandated to get their emissions down so low for the entire fleet of vehicles. Right. All the vehicles they manufacture, the only way they can get down to that low number is they have to eliminate the gas engine in the hybrid. So in the coming years, you're going to see a couple hybrids if it fits into their calculation. But most manufacturers are 100% EVs. They can't make a hybrid if they want to meet the low emission requirements. 
of their entire fleet. This new Ram would qualify as an EV with a gas generator supplement. So they're saying that it only has a 120 mile range on the batteries, but you get 900 miles when you consider the the generation capability of the gas charging the batteries. I don't know how that's going to play in. Well, once the regulators get notice that they're still producing emissions, they'll they'll put a clamp on that. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting. You know, the Tesla has a thousand pound battery. Right. The eighteen wheelers have, I think, an eight thousand pound battery with limited range. And it's you know, like you say, it, it's gonna be devastating. We're gonna become, you know, the national security risk. For America, not because of, you know, the crude oil we're importing, but because of the trucks aren't going to want to come back and forth to California. And well, so I'm not sure how the products are going to get delivered to the Americans. Didn't they ban, uh, didn't California ban uh, fossil fuel trucks after a certain year, I think? I, I followed the, uh, the cars. I mean, by 2035, you cannot purchase the gasoline car here. Right. And, and uh, they were trying to ban the trucks coming in as well, too. And I don't know if that had passed yet or not. I'm so, not sure on that one. Yeah. And if they did run, how are you going to get your groceries? How are you going to get your food? And that one, I'm going to go check. But I think that it's either close to passing or they were about to pass it. Can you imagine getting rid of any kind of trucks, any diesel well, like you say, we have got a lot of product come through all the ports on the West Coast. Right. Like I say, you know, I identified the three, which is L.A., Oakland, and um, Long Beach. They are the three busiest ports in the country. And there's a lot of other ports up and down the coast. And a lot right. of product comes in there for all Americans. And they get to Americans by truck, by train. Right. And, uh, you know, like you say, we're a, we're a transportation hub here. You know, Last time I checked, Ron, both of those run on diesel. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get really tickled at this whole thing. And then I I just saw a a poll come out that's saying that now there's some people not happy with the way Newsom's running California. And I'm like, is the media starting to turn on him? That's the first time I've ever seen a negative poll come out against Newsom. I don't know what was going on with that one. That was kind of like, yeah, he's a he is a clown all by himself, you know. <laughs> I yeah, like love I say, that. they're just set up to go green at any cost, and like I say, it's it's affecting. We have almost forty million people living here in California, right? And uh, you know, like I say, the elites. You know, like I say, they, they're very influential in setting policies. Right. And, uh, but like I say, the, the people that are just barely making it, they're the ones that are suffering and wow. will continue you know, to suffer. California and New York are losing population left and right. And they're losing uh, a lot of the upper echelon are moving out of New York. New York is just devastated tax-wise. Uh, yeah, we, we've got all kinds of taxes here. I did see a cartoon, which was kind of comical, that uh, the exodus out of California is slowing down. You know why? Uh-uh. People can't afford the fuel for the U-Hauls. <laughs> <laughs> Along that same joke, Ronald, I, I, I got really tickled. Somebody told me the other day, you can get a U-Haul 
out of out of California for two thousand dollars, but they will pay you to haul it back. You know, if you if you go from California to Texas in a trade with a trailer, it's two thousand dollars, but they will pay you that. $4,000 $4,000 to get it back, I, whatever the number was. I think it's yeah, pretty funny. Well, it's supply and demand. Like I say, we have, you know, the supply. The rest of the country has a demand for our people. And yeah, there, there's no demand to bring those U-Hauls back here. So no. you got to pay to bring them back. Oh, yeah. It, it's like, but I hope they leave their voting preferences. Uh, last night, Austin, Texas had a riot. And I'm like, would you all please just leave? All of your voting practices in California, please. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to come to Texas, please leave your voting practices there. So, uh, well, what are you seeing coming around the corner for these card dealers? If they are going to be regulated into death, you know, and and they're just going to like sit here. What is the way? Is there any hope that they're going to survive or are they going to be bailed out? Because... You know, if they are being forced into this emission problem, Ronald, what is are they between a rock and a hard place? They are definitely between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, once you get to the once you're sold to all the elites, you know, it's the rest of people. You know, most people don't buy new cars. They buy used cars. Right. And there's there's no used car market in the EV sector. A, you know, for a couple of reasons. One is the technology is changing so fast. And B, if the battery conks out and you got to replace it, that could be a ten to twenty thousand dollar expense. And um, now, how yeah. much? I think I, I think it was you or, or Todd when we were talking. A battery loses uh, every time you charge it and then uh, discharge it. It loses uh, a little bit of its capability, and so. After a while, again, you degradate. That battery degradates over time. And, and oh, so, yeah, it's, it, that's the same thing. I mean, like your flashlight battery, you know, sometimes those batteries are rechargeable, but yeah, they, they definitely degrade each time. And over time, they're going to need to be replaced. And, and you know, right the, now we have no good proven way to recycle batteries. We have no proven way to recycle wind turbines, no proven way to recycle solar panels. And so, we're just going all in to generate electricity and we're forgetting about the fact that we're a materialistic society that lives off of products. And no matter what kind of electricity you have, hydro, nuclear, um, they're not generating any products. No. What do you see coming around the corner for California uh, when we're talking about energy? I mean, is there any way that you're going to be able to get because uh, Diablo Canyon uh, has got a new life. You know, they've... they've Only because Newsom was going to be losing votes and he, he saw a hot summer coming along. Yep. So he gave it a, a life extension of another year or so. But uh, and, yeah, it, we, it, 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 it's on the chopping blocks. But they're not going to... It's not going to... It, it provides... Was it 10% of California's power or something? I, whatever number yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a bunch. It's a bunch. Yeah. And How, the thing, what the thing with when wind that and goes? solar, well, you know, wind and solar, all they do is provide occasional electricity. And the thing that's really aggravating, they get subsidies based on their nameplate rating. They never generate their nameplate rating. They're they're down most of the time because the wind doesn't blow all the time and sun doesn't shine all the time. Whereas the other power plants, be it hydro, nuclear, um, you know, natural gas, coal, 
they're, they're continuous, uninterruptible electricity. And, you know, hospitals and communication systems need continuous electricity. If you're on the operating table, you don't want to have that power supplied by wind and solar. <laughs> no. Um, you know, uh, I'm just sitting here kind of thinking, it's kind of funny when we sit back and kind of think, getting to the next generation kids is critical. And and then that's, you know, we're trying to do that. And all of my discussions, we're trying to get geared up for testing and and homeschool and those kind of things. We need to make your books uh, mandatory reading for high school kids. I think that that would be the first step that we would make it a very good. good well, that plus plus having discussions, because, you know, when Todd Rowe and I wrote uh, Clean Energy Exploitations, we learned in detail where the lithium and cobalt is coming from to build these batteries and, you know, to build wind turbines and solar panels. And Stu, I mean, I've, I've made, you know, after writing the book, I made a personal decision. I would never buy an EV because of ethical reasons. Yep. I know where the lithium's coming from, right. and I'm not willing to financially support that. You've heard of blood diamonds. These are blood minerals. That's right. And our government wants to go green so badly, they're providing subsidies and tax incentives. They're providing financial incentives for China and Africa. Continue exploiting those people. Continue the environmental degradation of your land. You know, right. we can't see it. It's over there. And it's, yeah, it, it's atrocious. And, you know, California, with its green movement, uh, the, the term in some of the, the environmental laws is we're not supposed to leak emissions somewhere else. You know, we're not going to refine it here. It's okay to refine it over there because they have no environmental controls. In fact, I joke with people that, you know, our governor Newsom only breathes California air. Anything outside the borders of California, he doesn't breathe it. So he's cleaning up California. But he's increasing emissions around the world. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't breathe those emissions. He only breathes California. You know that that man should never dive into the ocean. If he does, he will create an oil slick larger than the Exxon Valdez with as much oil as well. I joke if he ever is successful in getting rid of oil, he won't be able to buy the grease for his hair flowers. <laughs> so <laughs> that goes back to uh, you know those commercials with Don where they're cleaning the the penguin with all the oil all right. over and everything else. That penguin went swimming next to uh, Governor Newsom. So uh, you know we, this is a serious subject that we're we're laughing about, and, and it's your energy security is really critical, and and how we think about this because we also. Uh, Ronald, need to think well, about. Let me let me clarify. When you talk about energy security, we're talking about electricity security or product security. Both, because when the politicians talk energy, they're talking we're going to go wind and solar without oil. I, but you yeah, can't I, do that. I love the way you're phrasing that. But energy security, to me, and I like the way we're we're looking at this, and and I need help. Uh, talking about this this way, but energy security to me means product and electricity. So if we're talking and and because you you don't go to the farm, you don't get your groceries without oil and gas. Those groceries don't get here. Now I don't care if a wind farm is sitting there. However, the wind farm doesn't hold you. It is not sustainable from day one. That wind farm is not fiscally sustainable. So, and I love the way you say that energy security is, is it product or electricity? And I think energy means both. 
Right. But, you and I and, and several others are, are the minority that think that way. The right. politicians, they say, well, renewable energy is going to replace fossil fuels. Right. Because they, do, they don't have the same understanding. And uh, no, well, you can't you can't grow food with a wind farm. Uh. <laughs> um, Germany just had to close their uh, BSAF uh, plant four months ago there because uh, they didn't have any natural gas. You need natural gas in order to make fertilizer. So, you know, the thing that is uh, no one's paying attention to is the fact that, yeah, we have uh, you know, a fossil fuel problem here in California because we keep importing crude oil. And the crude oil is feeding the refineries. Well, there's pressure to shut down these refineries. And uh, two of the largest refineries are pretty much uh, maybe have a couple years left because of the air quality management district wants right. them to reduce their particular emissions, which is going to cost each of them like a billion dollars or more each. And right. they both have says, we're out of here. Um, if it holds up in court, it's being challenged in court, then two refineries close down. On the outside... There are, you know, we keep hearing about refineries closing because there's 700 refineries in the entire world. And in the next five years, because of age and the pressure of go green, go green, uh, about 20% are projected to close. That's 140 refineries closing. Out of the 700. Wow. Out of the seven, and That's 140 manufacturers that are manufacturing fuels and petrochemicals for our materialistic society. Right. You don't read about the fact they're building 88 new ones in Asia. In Asia, yes. Yeah, Asia, yeah. So these 88 new refineries, you know, China and Russia, they're war historians. They know the country that controls oil, natural gas, and minerals controls the world. Because, Period. you know, Hitler didn't control any of that, and he, he, he yeah. lost. And and it's, it's interesting that, you know, Russia and China, they're going all in because it's a materialistic society and they got nothing to replace it. So these 88 refineries are going to be making fuels and petrochemicals. And if we stop importing crude oil, we'll be importing the finished product from China. At a higher price. Exactly. And, you know, like I say, they have the supply. We got the demand. <laughs> We're not in a negotiating position. And just, just like the, uh, you know, the, the trucks are taking people in and out of California. And, you know, the hypocrisy part of this, Ronald, is the fact that the U.S. and the oil and gas sector does it better than anybody else on the planet. And by, yeah. by your point of those other new 88 uh, refineries going into Asia, going into China, we're going to be having buying from Russian oil or Iran oil going to China. Right. And then that China is going to refine it. And then it's going to come over here. Our adversaries, uh, Venezuela, Iran and Russia are going to go to China. They're going to refine it. And then it's going to come rolling over to the U.S. Do you know how much pollution just happened by this conversation? Exactly. Right. They don't have the same environmental controls we do. No. And and again, you're just accentuating the fact that it's a national security risk to go in that direction. You know, to support our materialistic society, we either, you know, manufacture it here or somewhere else. And somewhere else is greater emissions to the world. This is absolutely frightening, Ronald. I mean, when you it sit is. back and think about this amount of hanging your backside out, uh, you're exposed. I mean, this is kind of like, 
you and I would know what this is. I, I, those one, those onesies that we used to have with the flannel onesies with the buttons in the back. I yes. had that. <laughs> okay. I know I like me some flannels because it, my dad uh, did not have an indoor plumbing uh, until he was 16. So, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I get cold during the winter and I know what them buttons are in the back of your flannels, you know, so that you kids don't understand having to rough it. And and it's going to get that way. You know, I, I joke about uh, if we do get rid of crude oil, you, you've heard about the unfunded pension liabilities, you know, people retiring and then they're, you know, drawing off their retirement for, you know, 40, 50 years. Right. Um, that problem goes away instantaneously if you get rid of oil. Because no one's going to live past 40. They're all going to be dead. Yeah. There you go. Um, the homeless population goes away because all the tents and sleeping bags are made with oil. Well, <laughs> so there'd be nothing for them. All right. To- you're, you're a sick man, Ronald. That was actually funny. That was very, very sick and very funny. But it's just get rid of oil and everybody dies and the world's all solved. We're back to the 1800s. It's, you know, the 1800s, there was no oil. There was no electricity. Life was hard. Life was short, and yeah. uh, like I say, it's you know, the confusion about when the politicians say, "Well, wind and solar energy is going to replace oil." Ain't going to happen, Stu. So. No, no. Uh, you know, my granddad came in uh, on a wagon, uh, covered wagon, into Oklahoma, and okay. it tells you I'm not that far from <laughs> not having electricity, and, and so um, the kids now, if the grid goes down. Because uh, you, uh, Todd was phenomenal with the uh, talking about uh, supply Good. chain, and he's a freak. I mean, that man, <laughs> I, I could see why he enjoyed writing a book. But when we sit back and think about if there's a problem on the grid, it's going to be years before it comes back. And and what gets me all worked up is people don't understand that we are not prepared for any kind of a burp. I mean, it can be a sun. Let's not just let's just say, oh, a sun block. There was one in 1905, I think, or something, a sunburst that happened back then, an EMP burst from the sun. It would take out the United States. Yep. Electricity is, is very, very vulnerable. And, um, you know, they, they keep talking about offshore wind. Well, offshore wind affects the east and the west coast for electricity. You know, North Dakota is not going to benefit from offshore wind turbines. <laughs> no, no, I I think that is that is really bad. Now, what is your next book, Ronald? Uh, I there's, there's so many different subjects. I I be, keep talking about the uh, you know the wind and solar, the the nameplate farce. They get subsidies based on nameplate, and you know it's a great nameplate, but if the wind doesn't blow. I could put a wind turbine up in, you know, yeah. anywhere in Alaska and, you know, it'd be snow burden, right. but it's got a nameplate rating, you know. I don't know. There's, there's so many different ways to go. And uh, I've been involved in, in so many podcasts like this, trying to provide energy literacy. Like I say, I, you know, when I, when I give a presentation, I, I like to provide like 50 open-ended questions to the moderator right. and to the audience. Right. Because I want to talk about what they want to talk about. You want to talk about EVs, wind, solar, oil, right. you know, whatever. And so these are all open-ended questions. And so they could stand up and ask an intelligent question or, you right. know, modify it, but gives them something to start from because their question will generate an answer from me. 
right. and hopefully generate more questions from them. But it's going to be a conversation. And right now, you get guys, you know, like Biden and Newsom, they're just speaking in the microphone. And Greta Thunberg, you know, speaks in a microphone. And you yeah. know, she lives in this materialistic world that cannot exist with wind and solar by itself. No. And so it's um, there's got to be conversations. And if I I'm, I'm striving, all my opt-in articles are in layman's terms because I would like people to talk about it at the dinner table. Right. And so when it comes time to, you know, vote on a new proposition, you know, that's being prepared in a bank boardroom. Uh, right. Hey, hey, folks, you know, let, let's talk about it. You know, I'm all for jumping out of the airplane, but I'd like something that's going to be a replacement for the parachute. And by the way, the parachute's made out of oil. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, we just don't have enough silkworms, you know. I mean, it, <laughs> it would take two or three years to make a half a parachute. Well, so, but I'll tell you what, Ron, thank you so much for stopping by again, the podcast. And I'll tell you what, we're going to have all your show notes again in the in there and uh, your your book information and Todd's information will be in there and uh, embedded into the, the show notes. So Fantastic. always wrong. And I'm sure I will talk to you again as soon as we hear another one of your articles come across that screams for a podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. Stu. Yeah. Just promote uh, some conversations Absolutely. Uh, among, at the dinner table. It's uh, people have to understand, uh, you know, there's good and there's bad. You know, if you want to do this, What's the repercussions of doing that? Right. And uh, hey, have a great one. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.